0: Hey there, fellow Web3 Explorers. This upcoming episode was filmed at the Friends with Benefits Festival 2023 in beautiful Ottawa, California. This three-day extravaganza celebrated the fusion of ideas, music, and culture in the realm of Web3 and was the perfect backdrop for some great interviews. The summer heat was undeniable, but so was the quality of conversations, good beats, and spirit of creativity. Shout out to FWB for this media partnership. Let's dive in. In this episode, we've got not one, but two back-to-back exclusive interviews that will take you deep into the minds of industry pioneers who happen also to be collaborating on multiple levels. Thanks to our friend, ChatGPT, who produced a question one of our guests had never answered in his life, and you'd be shocked to hear what two moments profoundly impacted his career and outlook. We'll also hear about the latest NFT standard our other guests helped pioneer that opens up countless new use cases. First up, we sit down with the incredible Jeff Staple. There's no stranger to the world to collectible streetwear, having collaborated with some of the biggest brands in the world, leaving a major mark on the fashion landscape. As the founder of Stapleverse, Jeff is on a mission to redefine streetwear culture in the Web3 era. In the second interview, we get ready to be inspired by Benny Jang, co-founder of the Future Primitive, a true trailblazer in the NFT world. Benny's journey began with the launch of CryptoKitties and Dapper Labs and ever since he's been a driving force behind some of the most groundbreaking developments in the NFT space. From organizing the very first NFT community back in 2017 to leading the main product team behind the revolutionary NBA Top Shot, Benny's insights are a goldmine for anyone passionate about the intersection of blockchain and culture. Stay tuned and don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next.
0: Hi everyone, what's going on? This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT, live at FWB Fest. It's day one, already meeting some really awesome folks like Jeff Staple, who we're gonna chat with for a little bit. Thank you, Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, man. We made
2: a studio set in the middle of this mountain.
0: Yeah, with a nice backdrop and everything. So most of you probably know who Jeff Staple is, but a little bit of background, he's a creative visionary with work encompassing graphic design, fashion design, footwear design, and brand marketing. He's the founder of Reed Art Department and has worked on creative projects ranging from startups to Fortune 100 companies, founded Staple in 1997, the New York-based pioneering streetwear brand, and the infamous Pigeon logo that we all know and love. Mike Tyson loves it too, I hear. Yep. And he's also founded a lifestyle boutique, Reed Space, in 2002. And now he's also the creator and host of Hype most popular podcast, The Business of Hype. And he is one of the most prominent teachers on Skillshare. There's a lot more, but let's just jump into it. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't asked this question for a while, but it's a question I like to ask. And with you in particular, I'm really curious. What was your first encounter with NFTs and what made you decide to jump in? Let's see. NFTs, I mean, maybe more
2: widely like Web3. My first experience was actually I encountered through a friend, Steve Jang, who's a dear friend in San Francisco. He's a partner in Kindred Ventures. He introduced me to a guy named Jacob who was starting a thing called Zora. Yeah. And so that was my first interaction. He was trying to explain to me what Zora did and I was having a hard time understanding it. And I said, well, let's just drop something on Zora. And after I released a physical shoe on Zora, I began to understand the power of what Zora was doing. So you just jumped right in. Yeah, but... That's still in my mind like pinky toe in the water because I have all these different things that I do. And so doing one item release on it was like fairly low lift on my part and experimental. After Zora, I would say my first experience with an actual NFT project was Gary V's V Friends. Yeah. So in his V Friends collection, he has a couple of pigeons Perspective Pigeon and Persuasive Pigeon. And when he posted the pigeons from his V Friends collection, so many people were tagging me like jeff your pigeon needs to meet gary's pigeon and that night gary and i got on a facetime call and we talked about how could the staple pigeon and the v friends pigeon do something together so we released what i think is probably one of the first physical apparel drops with an nft project so holders of the persuasive and prospective v friends pigeon got exclusive access to a staple collection that we created that had both of the pigeons on wow there. and that was bananas. Nuts. As you know, Gary has an incredible community yeah. and they just all flocked to us. It was crazy.
0: That's really cool. So I'm an early V friend holder mm-hmm. and big fan of what he's done. I missed the memo on that. When did that go down? 2021. Nice. Yeah. That was early. That's yes, really cool. Very, very early. Yeah. I had the boldest fuck bat just because I was like, that's so Gary. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 Like, definitely.
2: Uh, it's definitely a favorite. Yeah, so those are my shepherds. And then I have to shout out the one immediately after that, which is the Artifact guys. So, right after the V Friends drop, I got in touch with Artifact literally through the DMs, and we began working on what would become the Meta Pigeon, which is really what I would say that's where it stopped being like, am I gonna do this? Should I trial and error this? And like, I just went all in after that.
0: That's cool. I mean, obviously, you had some great collaborators just based on your pedigree and, and background. But I thought there might have been a little bit of apprehension. Is this going to work? Like, how To is... this day, brother, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, but you went for it, right? Yeah, I went
2: for it. Yeah, I believed enough in the technology and the promise of the future. I mentioned it in my talk. Creator royalties was a big part of it as well. But as Benny was saying, everything on the blockchain, I think, is really the future. Or actually, it's the present, it's the now. And yeah it was scary i was trepidatious going into it and i i'm a fairly cautious person in the sense that like i didn't sort of dismantle my physical world stuff to like go all i didn't announce to my entire staff like everyone drop your t-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies yeah. and, and like we're all we're going in i did it sort of like strategically but by and large every month that i see this experience go by it's i know more and more that i made the right decision to go in
0: so That's cool. The word fidgetal has some lovers and some haters. (laughs) Your reaction was pretty visceral. Yeah. Like, I get it. What do you call this world of mixing physical merchandise and and digital collectibles? (sighs) I'm
2: down to keep them separate, to be honest. I call them, I don't like to say NFTs. I'm trying to train myself to not say that because when you say NFTs to certain people, you get, to me, two reactions outside of people that love NFTs. It's either like, don't know what it is, I don't get it. Or like, that's a scam. Right. So I'm trying to reverse out of saying that and really more so calling it digital goods and physical goods. I don't need to necessarily like link them together with the word like the word. Yeah, Yeah. digital. Because I think I know what I'm seeing is that we're going to do projects that are digital only. There is no physical component to it. We're obviously going to continue to do physical only things. And then we're going to do projects that are really fun where there's a digital component first and then a physical component after. But actually, I just did another collaboration last month with G-Money at 90 yeah, CC, yeah. and that was physical first, digital after you get the physical. And I love the malleability of all of that. That's what makes this super fun. So I don't need to be like, we're doing only physical projects from now on. It's
0: just, it's dumb. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like, well, I try to force these two worlds together with some word yeah. that, doesn't really make sense to anyone but the person that came up with the word and sounds terrible yeah (laughs) i appreciate that well let's take a little bit of a broader perspective the staple pigeon i did a little recon on Mm -hmm. you like five minutes of recon (laughs) um but i was curious about it and it has to do with grit right yeah yeah. and i'm a boston guy you're jersey yeah jersey new york yep yep and i think grit is such a critical part of entrepreneurial journey they just don't Tell you how much grit you need Mm -hmm. in the good times and the bad times. And I'm particularly curious how grit has sort of influenced your creative process independent of like your entrepreneurial perspective.
2: I think it's probably one of the biggest fuel contributors to what I've been able to accomplish. Sometimes I wish that I came from a family that had more money or more access. And I wish my mom and dad made smarter investments when they were growing up and it would have been easier for me. But it is what it is. What I gained from that is what you call grit, what I often call hustle. And it's the ability to know that if you don't work and get out of bed, you don't eat. And I think some people can stay in bed and eat. We're not blessed to be in that situation, so we have to hustle. And I think a pigeon, strangely enough, was not only was it the same in the sense that it had to hustle to survive and eat, but by and large, most people hate pigeons. Right, they're pests, they're nuisances, and they want to get rid of them. They want them to stop. And when I was starting out in streetwear, creating my own line, or painting sneakers and stuff, most people in my circle were like, "You're wasting your time. Stop. This is stupid. Why are you doing this?" Right. And so I felt that sort of dynamic of what a pigeon was going through, and so that's why I adapted it as my mascot.
0: Yeah, I can totally relate. I was the first guy in my family to go to college, uh-huh. and yeah, same. lived in a poor neighborhood outside of Boston when growing up went to a public university yeah and it's all
2: about public school man
0: yeah and like people have said over the years like oh you've got a lot of hustle, a lot of great and I kind of I didn't know if I felt like it was a compliment or not but I think <laughs> I appreciate the word great now more than ever because this is a bear market and the people that I relate to the most are the people that are still pushing boundaries in spite of market conditions.
2: Yeah, I don't really, really think we're in a bear market. I know this is a crazy, stupid hot take, but like where we came from at its height, yes, it is down, obviously. But the way I see it is like, man, what's Ethereum right now to US? 18, 19? Yeah. If there was a country in this world that gave you 1800 of its dollars to one USD, you'd fucking be on a plane to that country right now you know what i mean and like the things that you can consume in that country so when i see ethereum or bitcoin bitcoin
0: like, is hanging out at 30 for a long time yeah, right now it's and fu- i mean and, and like it was not at 30 in the previous beer market it was at like three or yeah, five yeah. or six
2: and think about it we came from an era for the last two and a half three years where no one went outside we were inside the whole time the only thing we could consume were literally digital goods and guess what Your fucking restaurant opened back up. You're going to want to go out and eat. You're going to want to go take a road trip. You're going to want to go on vacation. So now all of that time and energy that you spent consuming and learning about digital goods is now being diversified and spread back out into the real world. This is not a collapse. This is a normalization of what it would have been if we didn't have COVID. That's my theory. I could be fucking totally off base and wrong, but that's what I see that like if COVID didn't happen, we would be right here and it would have grew gradually to this
0: point. I appreciate the take. It's a really, <laughs> I, I have not heard of that perspective, but it makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna right? process that. Yes, please um, process it.
2: And so, think about the currency thing. Like, man, if the yen offered me 1800 to one, I'd be in Japan, like living there, eating great fucking sushi
0: right now. <laughs> oh, I'm going over <laughs> to Korea and Singapore soon. Korea Blockchain Week, maybe Oh, we'll nice. heading over there too. Oh yeah, 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 in the yeah. year, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's in uh, September. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. So let's talk a little bit about sort of Stapleverse You started in 1997, a long time ago. Well, not Staple the brand. Stapleverse I started two years ago. Two years ago. Fair enough. Staple's the brand. Stapleverse is our NFT digital. But but even two years is a long time ago, relatively speaking, in Web3 years, right? So how has sort of your vision of Stapleverse evolved over that time based Mm -hmm. on what you've seen and what you personally have done in the space?
2: Yeah, great question.
0: I always try to like push
2: the envelope and innovate and... When I see everybody making a left, I try to make a right. I try to zig when everyone else zags. And I think maybe one of the things that, like, I over-indexed on was a need to, like, push the envelope and innovate, where if I had just dropped a 10K pigeon project at the height of the market... I probably would have like made a shit ton of money, but instead I tried to like do innovative and different things. We did like a burn toss mechanic. We had different tribes and storylines in Stapleverse. Now we're doing it again, frankly, with doing this ERC-6551. We're the first project to ever embody that. We're the first project to have token bound accounts. And what I've learned is like, it could have cool technology, but the way you market it and storytell it needs to be dumb, dumb simple. One analogy that I always think about that I tell my team is even though the iPhone has like all this crazy new tech and like all this built-in ability, when you look at a billboard for Apple, it says yellow. Like we dropped a new color, even though they did all this crazy R&D built in, all they talk about is yellow, Yeah. right? But yellow or the color or the thing is the low hanging fruit to get you into the community. After that, you start watching YouTube videos of like, did you know if you triple tap the Apple logo on the back, you can activate it to do certain things? Like, I didn't know that. You start going into the wormhole, right? And so what I've learned is with Stapleverse and our new project, Sapiens, is that we have to make it desirable to people who don't have a wallet, don't currently have an NFT. It's just something that is really cool that they want to be a part of. Then once they're in, they can learn about token-bound accounts, ERC-6551, and all the goodness. But we got to put a cherry on top of that cake before they get in. Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got to spark the curiosity. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's marketing 101.
0: So speaking of lessons learned, you've done so many different collaborations mm-hmm. with Web2 and Web3 brands. Yeah. And I remember you talking a little bit about this at IRL Alpha in Venice, my mm-hmm. hood. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good night. Yeah. A lot of good conversations, good people. And I didn't ask you, but I wanted to ask you, When you're working with so many different people, there's Mm -hmm. always this, like, potential collision with authenticity and what authentic means to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you've ever gone down a path with a brand or a collab that just didn't feel right and Mm -hmm. you had to hit the brakes and, like, what that was like for you. No, it hasn't happened
2: and I can tell you why. Because my early stage vetting process is quite long and drawn out and deep. I know other friends that sort of shoot first, then ask questions later. And what I mean by that is they're like, yeah, let's do a collab. Let's do it. Let's get in there and start doing it. And then six months in, they're like, wow, you're like an asshole. Like, I didn't want to, I don't want to work with you. Let's back out of this contract. Instead, I spend the six months having coffees and lunches with you to see if we can vibe. Then it's like, you know what, bro? We should do a collaboration. And I have friends that are like, Jeff, man, I've known you for years and we haven't worked on something together. I was like, yeah, but... There might be a reason. <laughs> no, no,
1: but also it's like,
2: I just love hanging out with you too. Like, we are collaborating, just we're doing it over dinners. But when the timing is right, we will lock in and figure out how to do something. Like, another streetwear NFT legend in the game is Bobby Hundreds, right? Of course. 100% respect everything he does. We get along great. We're in the same world. We've never... We've yeah, never done a collaboration. Never collab. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, when we do, it's going to destroy the internet, but until then we're trying to figure out how we lock in so i sort of take the long approach and like just really figure out partners before we get into a relationship so to speak
0: yeah i appreciate that and i had another question around the long perspective just on web three right yeah you talked a little bit about how it's impacted your perspective on how you would launch projects and how you're going to be launching projects but has sort of your thinking on the potential of web three Evolved in particular around Mm -hmm. this creator royalties thing, which is a real drag for all of us, right? Did that like shift your perspective on the potential here that we're working with
2: in any way? You said it right, it was a real drag, and I feel for artists that really rely on
0: that for their livelihood. And the ones that jumped in because of that possibility, right? It was one of the biggest, it's like it's the rug pull of rug pulls,
2: yes, completely. Good point there. I happen to be in a place where like. The creator royalty for me is more like the tip jar money, not like the pay the rent money, but it still sucks. But in terms of Web3, what I would try to do is like be much more open-minded to the prospect of collaborating with people. I rely on my team a lot because they really tell me like, oh, this guy's legit. This guy's like in it for the right reasons. So we just did a magic white t-shirt project with literally a no-name guy from New Jersey. And now he's collaborating with Jeff Staple, where I think if I only had my Web2 brain on, I'd be like, Who the fuck are you? What's your brand? Yeah, call me in five years and we'll see.
0: Give folks a little backstory on this because it's pretty cool how this got set up.
2: Yeah, this is the power of Sapiens. So we dropped essentially a blank white T-shirt, NFT. And this white T-shirt could be equipped onto a Sapiens, which is our PFP project, right? So your Sapiens could now be wearing a blank white T-shirt. We dropped it for $10, okay? But what we said was that, and we sold, I think, over 900 of them in a very short amount of time. And we said, okay those who own the Magic YT are now eligible to design on the shirt. You could take a pen, you could take a silk screen, you could take AI, you could do whatever you want and design the shirt as you wish, right? Submit it on the internet, social media, tag us, and we got hundreds of submissions of incredible art. I narrowed it down to my top 32. The community, all of the community, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, voted on Sweet 16, Final 8, Final 4, Final 2, Final 1 champion, okay? That one champion now, we were able to change the metadata on the blank white tee and all those hundreds of people who own the blank white tee, overnight, their shirt turned into the winning design.
0: Wait, what's the tech behind that?
2: ERC-6551, token bound account. Connected to the actual shirt. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So the shirt is an NFT owned by your NFT, the sapiens. It's sick. Wow. It's so sick. But I don't want to confuse people with that, see? I don't want to talk about that shit. I just want to talk about this magic white tee versus ERC-6551 token bound account, right? So anyway, do you wake up one day and it's like, oh shit, my shirt is now the winning design. And now if you're the creator of that design, your design is now on like 900 bodies overnight. You also get the revenue from that as well. And the big kicker is now that guy, J.R.R. and me are gonna design the next thing together. So overnight, that guy's now doing collaboration with Jeff Staple.
0: All right, well, let's tag J.R.R. for this episode. If <laughs> you're out there listening, you should yeah. check this out, J.R. And yeah. that's awesome, that, that type of co-creation, which Web3 is all about. I yeah, man. So it's getting late. There's uh, good vibes, music coming. Yeah. One last question for you. Mm-hmm. We started a new podcast, Edge of AI. This is the Edge yeah, of NFT yeah. podcast. But I think for us, we're really just curious about AI mm-hmm. and wanting to learn together with some of the leaders and pioneers in that space. Yeah. And you're a curious guy. So... Mm-hmm. To what extent have you dabbled with AI personally? And then how are you looking at it from a creative perspective in the types of projects that you work on? I'm
2: less so using it for art. I'm playing with it in the art space, but not doing anything that I would actually release. So I'm basically like learning the language right now. On like the sort of the more ChatGPT text-based side, I'm using it much more to help with like improving my writing, helping with responses and things like that. It's great, but contracts? Yeah, contracts, just just like, it's awesome, you know? And also, like, I'd be like, hey, can you write this speech in the style and tone of Jeff Staple? That's How does it do? That's a rip. It does it too good because it almost takes, like, word, like, bites of information that I would say and, like, uses it too much and it makes it cringy, if you know what I mean? Like, if I said one catchphrase in a talk, it'll just keep using that. I'm like, oh, stop doing that. It's so corny. But I have been using it for that. Even though some people might think, like, the things that I do are innovative, I'm actually sort of, like, a middle-to-late adapter. I'm not really, like bleeding edge first to market to stuff. I mean, like you said, yeah, I've been into NFTs for two years, but not eight years ago when the first ever thing was on the chain for the Ethereum network. So I sort of like to wait, see people jump in first, make sure it's not a complete scam, make sure I'm not endangering myself and everything I've created, and then dabble a little bit, be strategic about it. I'm really proud of the mini empire that i've built in fashion footwear and creative i don't, I don't know if work. it's
0: mini man i think everyone <laughs> knows what you're up to
2: yeah but i'm very cognizant to not dismantle the whole thing that i've built because of one knee-jerk reaction to some shiny new object that i encountered so, you know? still
0: dabbling yeah uh, so while we we're talking i asked chat gpt which i'm in love with too what is one question You'd ask Jeff Staple that never gets asked. Holy shit. So let's see, because I want to ask you questions that, you know, I don't want you to get bored <laughs> Okay, here. what did ChatGPT right, ask? Throughout your career in design and streetwear, you've had a significant impact on the industry. Looking back, is there a particular lesser known or behind the scenes moment or decision you made that you believe had a surprisingly profound influence on your brand and the streetwear culture as a whole? Wow. That's
2: a good question. Bars. Yo, ChatGPT bars. Damn. Okay. One thing that rarely gets asked of me that has sort of nothing to do with street culture is I've had, and I know this is going to sound weird, I've had the honor and blessing of going through two separate near-death experiences. One was very fast and instantaneous, meaning I got hit by a truck in Japan while I was on a bike, head-on collision. And the other one was very long and drawn out. I was on a six-hour hike in the chilean andes mountains and i got lost and a rescue team had to come get me and i thought i dug my own grave and i laid in it like i thought it was done so i was able to experience what it feels like to have a drawn out sort of like mindful understanding of the end of your life and then a flash before your eyes moment end of your life and i say i feel blessed about that because i think particularly with the mentality of web three and the speed and like sort of lack of patience and when utility and stuff, I think people lose perspective of what really matters. And because I was able to gain those two experiences, that is always going to be locked in my core of like, no matter what we're dealing with here, it is not you on the side of a mountain digging your own grave.
0: Wow. I think that's (laughs) as profound a way to end this conversation as there could be Thank this has been an amazing time getting a you better, and people should check out Stapleverse. Yes, just please. Pretty much on all socials. It's not hard yeah. to find you.
2: At Jeff Staple. Well, you don't click a bad link. So, sapiens, S A P I E N Z dot X Y Z or Stapleverse dot X Y Z. Don't click on those weird links that you see. You don't want to get your
1: wallet drained.
0: For sure. So, but thank do, you do learn more about what you're up to, and thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you.
1: You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your bag? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better barbecued or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy Harg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOV for 50% off and start your next block today. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food, there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award winning brain computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGens who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership, not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht.
0: Hi everyone, Josh Krieger here, co-founder and co-host of Edge of NFT, and excited to be live at FWB Fest 2023, meeting some awesome people. I got a chance to attend Benny's talk earlier, and this is a conversation we've wanted to have on the show for a little while in terms of the new ERC standard that you guys forged slightly before Outer Edge at ETH Denver. And now we get to dive deep and it's great to meet you in person, Benny. Thank you, Josh. Really good to be here
3: and we are really excited. I mean, it's super hot here, but it's been incredible. So many amazing people
0: here. And yet for our audio listeners, Benny is still rocking a Dickie's <laughs> whole ensemble. And yeah, you can take the heat more than I can. <laughs> well, let's start off with your bio. Normally, if we're doing a normal show, we would sort of read the bio anyways. And I think yours is pretty amazing. Benny is a founding team member of CryptoKitties, the first NFT project to launch on Ethereum in 2017. Everyone should know what CryptoKitties is at this point. And since the formation of Dapper Labs, he has taken on so many different roles from building the earliest NFT community in Asia to launching several core projects like Cheese Wizards, Dapper Wallet, and a little project some of you may know as NBA Top Shots. And during his tenure at Dapper Labs, he also helped release the most iconic digital fashion project iridescence in collaboration with the fabricant but he's also made several angel investments into web3 music fashion gaming design studios and since leaving dapper in 2021 benny co-founded future primitive with steve Jang, a protocol company for token bound accounts you've been busy man
3: <laughs> it's been a busy six years and it's flew by i mean i still remember as if it was yesterday we were crammed into the office, like launching CryptoKitties and getting it ready for Eve Waterloo. That's where we launched it. But yeah, it's incredibly to, to, to see the span of NFTs grow from a little small place, a small city of Vancouver. And now it's a global and the NFT medium is representing digital objects in all forms in very interesting ways. We're here talking about on-chain media and talking about NPCs and so it's incredible to see the expansion.
0: Absolutely. And I kind of feel like we're kindred spirits in some way. A story I haven't shared with you yet is that one of our Outer Edge LA co-founders, Zach Sekar, has been doing meetups around tech in LA for a long time and that's actually how we met back in sort of my first days in LA. And he did a very casual meetup with one of the co-founders of crypto kitties mac, mac after you guys launched and broke web 3 temporarily and yeah i guess you and mac go back and your worlds have intersected in a lot of different ways right
3: yes yeah mac shout out to mac he's amazing he was the one who brought me into axiom zen he's my spiritual mentor he's the creative wild side of me is from mac I learned from him so many different lessons of building products and really pursuing like creative ideas that may make people kind of squint their eyes a little bit. But yeah, Mac is a kindred spirit and he's an awesome
0: guy. Cool. And another sort of way our paths crossed is we started Edge of NFT podcast in March of 2021. And what really caught our attention, we've been blockchain for many years prior to that, but we were looking for that like real world use case that just really culturally fit the zeitgeist of the moment. Yeah. And Jeff, one of my co-founders, had been dabbling with NBA top shots. He bought <laughs> a bunch of, of packs. Wow. And I think one of his early victories in the world of web three was getting a LeBron card. Wow. And you know Amazing. making an incredible return. But For us, that was an aha moment Mm. about something is here and it's different, and you were part of that. So thank you You for getting me into Web3, (laughs) and it's been a wild ride ever since.
3: Well, I mean, well, thank you for taking the leap of faith and buying uh, NBA Top Shot packs. I'm sure Dapper and the team and myself, we owe it to everyone here who really believed in sports collectibles. Believed in digital sports collectibles, that they had a life beyond just highlight reels on IG that they were worth collecting and that it was exciting to collect these moments. So, yeah, I think part of building that product was to onboard new folks to show people around the world that even though we started with a really tiny project like CryptoKitties, And that may not have been to the taste of everybody, that at least for NBA Top Shot, the focus of a broader mainstream audience would be another way for people to engage with NFTs, so.
0: Absolutely. So when you look at sort of where NFTs have gone since there as a sort of investor in the space and sort of a student of a practitioner, like what's your perspective on sports collectibles, fashion, culture as a digital moment, has it shifted since those early days of NBA Top Shot?
3: I think it's challenging. I come from a startup background, been working in startups since 2015, and I still adhere to a lot of the first principles of building a product, right? So product market fit, crossing the chasm, all these types of things. So the way I think about it is, it all comes down to human behaviors and human psychology, right, or sociology, and how do a group of humans already interact, right? And I really believe in building products, regardless if it's NFTs or just like a normal Web 2 app that really aids that behavior or it kind of amplifies it. Right. So I think like all these verticals of fashion and sports and on-chain media, all these things, they have different timing in the market. It's reliant on overall education and overall like understanding of like what is the crypto wallet that allows you to take the next step. I think right now we're actually in a period of on-chain media and digital fashion. I think those two areas are the right, correct timing. Sports collectibles with Top Shot in 2021, 2020 had its moment. I have a lot of opinions about how that direction should head around sports collectibles. But currently, the model I I believe that uh, Top Shot created, or the team that I was leading, it needs some adjustments, some refinements for a version 2 of what it could look like.
0: Let's cover that and then we'll go on to sort of the other areas you mentioned. What's the type of refinement that you see? And I mean, there's been other folks that have sort of dabbled in that area from DraftKings mm. to Autograph. No. Right? And I would say that that market has slowed down from uh, day-to-day usage. I mean, of course, Tops has also done some things in the space now. What are the refinements you'd like to see?
3: I think the key is the fan in the community. So as a product lead of NBA Top Shot, one thing I saw was on Twitter, and again, going back to human like behaviors and patterns, right? The NBA official account on Twitter would post the highlight reels of the games that were being played, right? And you can see in the comment section, with the NBA Top Shot community, people were like, yo, mint this moment, mint this moment, right? and i think that was a conversation
0: for a while like why why can't there be real-time minting
3: exactly and so the challenge that i see right now is that the top shot team has a small team that watches all the content in partnership with the nba and they curate and select the moments that are to be minted in a pack right now they are really great curators they're basketball fans they pick great moments right but what's more powerful is imagine that the community through social media can comment on a highlight reel that's posted by mba like hey mint this moment and there's a social leaderboard where people vote and let's say josh you end up getting the most vote on a highlight reel and we mint that moment and now it'd be like hey this moment was curated by josh
0: right yeah that whole like co-creation aspect of web3 that is like part of the great hope right and this opportunity to sort of be part of the editorial team i think that makes sense there's a lot of conversations we have on the show about co-creating stories in sort of written form. Neil Strauss has been on the show. He did Alien, mm. an alien sort of themed novel on the blockchain, mm. one of the earliest examples of that. And I think that's one of the great use cases. And of course, other folks are doing that too. Star we've had mm. on the show and they're doing with their animation series. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. how do we sort of create that extreme level of interactivity? So that's, exactly. That's really interesting. And then prove. the last thing is just
3: like yeah. incentivizing the curators, right?
0: Like if you use the marketplace of
3: Top Shot, there's a fee collected by Dapper, right? And albeit that's helping to fill the company on that, but I think a portion of that should be allocated to the curator network, right? Mm. And now it really creates a cycle of like an empowered community of thousands of curators who are watching the best moment, voting for the best moments and getting incentivized, right?
0: yeah that could be pretty powerful i think that application i think it's just interesting for any founder to think about in terms of whatever use cases they are for web 3. so let's sort of pivot the conversation a little bit to fashion on-chain media first of all like these are two industries that can be defined a lot of different ways when we think about fashion i'm curious if we're talking about traditional physical fashion going digital digital fashion going physical sort of mixed use cases Where do you see the biggest opportunity there? So, I've been thinking about this a lot. And so,
3: I have a conceptual idea of how I wrap my head around all of these things. And then, I have a practical way of seeing how it could be executed, right? So, the conceptual idea is water can be ice and steam, right? It's different states of matter, right? And so, when I think about like digital fashion or fashion, Like what we're really talking about is transitory states that clothing or fashion can be in. And in the future, it should be as fluid just like how water can be in these different states with a little bit of temperature changes, right? Albeit for fashion, it wouldn't be temperature. It would be like, okay, this fabric is made up of cotton, which is atoms, but it should have a digital representation that is made up of bytes or zeros and ones the key thing is to blend the two so that depending on your use case or how you want to use it or how you want to show it off you could determine how you want to do that right so that's kind of the conceptual one the practical one is the project that we worked on with jeff staple sapiens and it's this idea of like because i've had a history of i'm an advisor investor of the fabricant i've been following digital fashion since the beginning of 2018 prior to artifact and all these other companies and i think now i've realized after a few years that making hyper realistic digital fashion is super cool but it's really expensive to do and distribution is a really hard problem right yes you can use snap ar kit or snap kit or ar kit to kind of like display the or dress sex yeah but it doesn't look that good. Like it's still kinda a bit choppy. Sometimes like
0: it kind of fits crooked (laughs) on your head. Exactly. And and yeah, like it might not be the right size for your body.
3: Exactly. So
0: what we've kind of arrived at with sapiens is like, okay, we know
3: distribution of the biggest distribution is the profile picture. It's the circle that is in all social media that has an audience. So why don't we launch a character-based NFT project, Sapiens, where you can change your clothing 10, 20, 30, 50 times a day without paying gas. And it's on Ethereum mainnet and it's fully on chain. And in that circle frame, which is the distribution, you're going to have different aesthetics changing every day if you'd like to right? Even have a hand that pops up to float like a shoe or something like that. So that's kind of, in my mind, the practical execution and, and of digital how, And how
0: do you do that without having to spend an exorbitant amount of time messing with your profile instead of doing other things like touching the grass like we are here?
3: Yeah. So the thing that's powering it is a new standard, Ethereum standard. It's not a token standard. That's usually what people get confused with. So it's ERC-6551, also known as token-bound accounts. And so this was a discovery that we made about eight or nine months ago when we were at a hackathon at EVE San Francisco. And we were like, Sapiens, we know we wanted to do this character-based NFT project. And we were just like stuck, right? We were like, how do we do this? We looked at Artifact, we looked at Doodles, we looked at all these other projects. And like Artifact, you had to pay gas every time to equip the file. We didn't want to go L2 or another blockchain. We think a lot of the value accrual should be on the mainnet. And so the light bulb moment we had was like, what if every NFT or every sapiens had its own smart contract account or wallet? And if it had its own account, then it could own the NFTs like the clothing items. And so once it owns these items inside of its account, when you equip these clothing, all we have to do is just do signing a message. You don't have to pay gas to prove that the character or the sapiens owns the clothing. And then you could equip it right away and you can reflect it on other social medias. And so that's kind of the whole process of how we came to this new standard through trying to build a project that is focused on digital fashion.
0: Yeah, so that happened at Eat Denver, right, in February of this year, 2023. That's really exciting. I guess one question immediately pops up for me is the security component of this relative to currently having to connect your wallet, this would seem like it might be a little bit more secure and safer for the consumer. Is that accurate?
3: So there's a few things. One is you still need a wallet to own the NFT. That wallet can be any wallet you want. It could be a MetaMask, Rainbow wallet. It could be a Ledger. It could be a Gnosis safe. It still needs to own an NFT. But the difference now is that the NFT has its own wallet, right? So it's kind of like an inception thing going on. You, in fact, could have an NFT that owns an NFT that owns an NFT that owns an NFT. You could have an NFT that owns a million dollars of USDC or ETH. You could put any tokens inside of an NFT, right? And really, that gives three new properties to every single NFT on Ethereum and EVM chains. One is asset ownership. So any NFT can own assets now or tokens. Number two is social identity. So you know how most dApps or OpenSea or Uniswap, you click Connect Wallet. And then you select MetaMask. Well, actually, you can actually connect as your NFT now. So you can imagine like, hey, I want to log in as my Azuki on OpenSea or I want to log in as my Doodles on Uniswap. You can do that now using Wallet Connect. It works. I've done some trades using my NFT rather than my MetaMask. So that's the second one is social identity. The third one is where it goes into AI is action potential. Because you now have an NFT that has its own account, you can link it to an AI model. And then now you have something that we call a networked playable character or NPC that can perform on-chain actions on your behalf, right? So the future of NFTs right now, or NFTs right now, most of it sits in cold storage, right? You keep it there and then they don't really do anything. And the only thing you can do is wait for the floor price to go up and down. Yeah, and I
0: I think that was some of my point earlier is that I think when you have a really rare NFT that you prize, you're a little bit more protective about what you do do with it because you don't want it to get stolen, right?
3: Correct. And so you can link it to an AM model and have it do things. The other thing that's really fascinating that goes into the security standpoint, there's a few things. So one is because these are smart contract accounts or smart contracts, they're highly programmable. So in the future, there's something that we call extensions. And so you can actually turn on extensions for your NFT that give it additional utility. Mm. such as staking, wrapping, burning, all these types of things. Right now, one thing that we think about a lot is majority of the NFTs, I would say 98%, 99% are what we call creator controlled NFTs. That means you're reliant on the creator to launch new smart contracts or or utility for you to have functionality, right? Now, if the creator decides to rug or run away, well, good luck, right? Right. They still have access to the contracts and they could modify it and they could update the metadata, right? So creator controlled NFTs has been for the last six years. We see a bigger movement towards owner-controlled NFTs, where you as an owner, you own, let's say, a Moonbird, right? You don't have to wait for proof to ship a staking thing, right? You can just go to the extension store and turn on a staking thing or a wrapping thing, and now your Moonbird has those abilities, right? So that's the really big difference of owner-controlled NFTs.
0: Self-actualized traits. Exactly. People are excited about this back there, or they're <laughs> they having fun, yeah. but that really is profound. So what are some of the use cases that you're excited about that have been created so far outside of the Sapiens project where you're directly yeah. involved? Like, let's put you in dad mode, you and the team Founding Fathers. Like, Are there any children that you like <laughs> see growing up that you're really excited about?
3: Yeah, so there's four categories of use cases. Gaming is a big one, of course. And i count sapiens kind of in that area because it's like a dress-up game the other one's daos the third one is like infrastructure and then the fourth one is social so for gaming there's a lot of people like fuel world which manifold's working on it's from collaboration with Philocious.
0: shout out to richard
3: exactly OG shout out to richard. in the space also vancouver right and so fuel world Parallel, which is one of the top 20, they have something called Parallel Colony, that's super cool. And we have a few other people who are building like blockchain games. Number two is DAO, so uh, Station, DAO House, Yield Guild Games. A lot of them are thinking about NFT membership cards where you can earn stickers and badges based on your engagement. Normally right now for DAOs, all of that stuff sits in your EOA or your MetaMask. And when you sell the membership, all those badges kind of stay there if they're sold tokens. Here, you can actually put them inside of the membership and accrue like, a better picture of that member, right? So that's DAOs. Infrastructure, Airstack has built the first indexer for token bound accounts. We have Pinata, we're talking to OpenSea, Zora, Wallet Connect, all these different platforms. And then fourth is social, so Lens Protocol. They announced at EFCC in Paris a few weeks ago or a month ago that Lens version two, the profiles will all be token bound accounts. So that means your lens profile can actually collect follows and likes and in other content pieces. So what it really does is it converts an NFT from a static asset to a dynamic asset that can actually own and have relationships, right? With other tokens. And so that's why the social side is gonna become a huge thing, I believe,
0: in the next few months or year so i want to bring this back to the use case around ai that you mentioned earlier we have a new show edge of ai as well and i think the intersection between web3 and ai is profound in terms of what might be possible here what i immediately comes to mind for me is using ai to sort of give your nft even more life and more choice more fluidity on its own fruition where you can kind of give it a sense of your identity and what you want it to do is that accurate
3: Yeah, I think an AI model, in a simple way, can absorb data, right? And it can make sense of it, right? So, yes, AI models can prescribe a personality. And we've done some tests, actually, at Eve Waterloo a few months ago, where we had a CryptoKitty with all its traits, and we fed it into OpenAI API. And it actually created a personality for the CryptoKitty. So, you could feed it metadata. You can also answer a few questions or I don't know, upload your own data and now the NFT can kind of absorb your personality, right? And then the third part is like, you can just like have the NFT access all of the data points that are already accessible in the API of all these AI models. And so we kind of see in, in two fronts. One is using AI models on with NFTs for entertainment, personality creation, content creation realm. The other side is like productivity. Having an NPC or an NFT help you perform on chain actions. Like, hey, you could talk to your NPC, which is an NFT. Hey, I want you to do the weekly quest on rabbit hole and it'll just do it all and earn you tokens, right? Or, hey, I want you to curate the coolest music NFTs on sound and you give it a budget and it goes and picks it for you. So it could be productivity or entertainment purposes. That's cool.
0: I have bad Wi-Fi right now. I was going to ask ChatGPT what I should be asking you (laughs) out of curiosity. But you had mentioned on-chain media. I would love my NPC to sort of help me curate guests and great questions for my guests so that we have interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. There might be something there. And maybe we can kind of just wrap up on the topic of on-chain media. What does that mean to you? And how does that fit into what we just discussed? Absolutely. So I did a talk here, fully
3: focused on that area. And the way I see on-chain media is... Media right now, where does it actually sit or live in terms of like storage, right? Is it with a private company, a social media company that has AWS servers of which you're liable of it shutting down and that type of content disappearing? Or uh, which I call like more private industries of relations to ownership of the content? or like on-chain media is using public infrastructure, right? Like Ethereum or other platforms that are on-chain where the media will live on forever, right? Mm. So I think that's kind of the key thing is, you know, beyond all the speculation, I don't really think on-chain media will have a lot of like speculative value. Instead, it should have more like humanity value that we could it be referential in a hundred years. It's kind of like going to the library, reading books. It'd be looking at on-chain media.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I think a lot of folks today are trying to understand history based on a limited amount of media information that's available. But what if all media was readily available and you can sort of really understand history and in, in the stories from different perspectives? I recently just listened to a pretty cool BBC podcast about Putin, and it was told through the lens of five different journalist that had covered his life in different ways and they sort of battled it out and I could just think of this on-chain media AI battle for truth and it would be <laughs> yeah. really fascinating so yeah. you give me so much to think about I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have trouble sleeping tonight trying <laughs> to like integrate all these ideas and I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about this at some point in the future and stay in touch where can folks follow what you're up to
3: Yeah, so Twitter at Benny Zhang, G-I-A-N-G. And for Token Bound, we have a Token Bound telegram for the working group. We have nearly 1,100 developers there from OpenSea Zora, all the protocols, platforms. So the telegram is just at Token Bound. And so Future Primitive is the protocol company. So on Twitter is at Future
0: Primitive. All right. Thanks, Benny, so much. Thank you so much, Josh. Yeah.
1: Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not
0: again, Web3 adventurers. In this episode, we're back at Friends with Benefits Fest 2023 in the enchanting Idlewild California forest. This three-day extravaganza celebrated the fusion of ideas, music, and culture in the realm of Web3 and was the absolute perfect backdrop for some great interviews. Shout out to FWB for this media partnership. Let's dive in. Just like the previous episode released, we continue to immerse ourselves in the creative currents at this three-day Web3 3 wonderland. We had two electrifying interviews covering creativity from multiple angles. Our first interview shines a spotlight on the brilliant Web3 artist Latasha, a world-building. Our first interview shines the spotlight on the brilliant Web3 artist Latasha, a world-building musician and visionary artist, as the founder of the Web3 community Zorotopia. Latasha is at the forefront of shaping the next era of digital creativity with her passion for pushing boundaries and exploring uncharted territories this conversation promises to ignite your imagination you'll learn why she can't live without multiple forms of creative expression in her life and how she's personally using ai and that's just the beginning our second interview brings us face to face with Addie sederman the dynamic ceo of rebel xyz a revolutionary social collection platform Iodity provides a unique first-hand take into the future of social interaction and creative collaboration in the Web3 landscape, where we are all peer-to-peer creators and collectors. So join us on the journey as we continue to unravel the threads of innovation and connection at FWB Fest 2023. As the sun sets over Idoile, we're here to explore, learn, and celebrate the boundless potential of Web3. Stay tuned, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, let me reread something. Uh, all right, I'm going to just read. We're going to, uh, of innovation, um, and call, uh, as it intersects. You want me to do something else again? Okay. All right, let, let me just try to read the whole thing again, see if I can do it now. Hey again, Web3 Adventures. And this episode, we're back at the Friends with Benefits Fest 2023 in the Enchanting Wild, California forest. This three-day extravaganza celebrated the fusion of ideas, music, and culture in the realm of Web3 and was the perfect backdrop for some great interviews. Shout out to FWB for this media partnership. Let's dive in. Just like the previous episode released, we continue to immerse ourselves in the creative currents of this Web3 wonderland. We had two electrifying interviews covering creativity from multiple angles. Our first interview shines a spotlight on the brilliant Web3 artist Latasha a world-building musician and visionary artist. As the founder of the Web3 community Zorotopia, Latasha is at the forefront of shaping the next era of digital creativity. With her passion for pushing boundaries and exploring uncharted territories, this conversation promises to ignite your imagination. You'll learn why she can't live without multiple forms of creative expression in her life and how she's personally using AI. And that's just the beginning. Our second interview brings us face-to-face with Addie Cedarman. The dynamic CEO of Revel XYZ, a revolutionary social collection platform. Addy provides a really unique first hand take into the future of social interaction and in collaboration in the Web3 landscape, where we are all peer to peer creators and collectors. So join us on this journey as we continue to unravel the threads of innovation and connection at FWB Fest 2023. As the sun sets over Idlewild, we're here to explore, learn, and celebrate the boundless potential of innovation as it intersects with culture. Stay tuned and don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, I think we have enough. All right, so helpful to have you here, Sean. I think uh I'll I'll stop the recording.
1: Recording stopped.